Right, we're live. Um, so people are going to be dropping in and joining us as we go. Um, so we are on now episode 11 um, of the Pareto Law Sales Surgery. Hello to all of you listening on Spotify, Apple Music, and um, those of you live listening to us here. It's going to be a really interactive session as always, so please pop your questions in the Q&A section and in the chat. Um, our vision in setting this up was to connect both our network, which are predominantly salespeople, with thought leaders and, and business leaders during what, what is a difficult time for everyone. Um, and it's been really effective. So today, what we want to look at as well is, is effectivity in the role in which we're doing, which predominantly is sales. So what we're going to look at is um, the art of caring. Um, so who cares wins? We're going to be looking at how to be productive and organizing our time and also look at hopefully we can get into kind of the inner ambitions of a salesperson and what really makes up that um, formula that is a successful salesperson. So for this, we are joined by author, motivational speaker, business coach, Steve Clark. Steve, how are you? I'm really good. Thank you, Jack. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. As I was telling you, I've, uh, I was off work this week and I've managed to squeeze in 72 holes of golf. Um, and lost almost that in balls as well. So uh, it's a rest today. Um, so, so we were talking about who cares when. So, so what does that mean to you? Um, well, so mo most of us are familiar with the who dares wins kind of gung-ho uh, SAS attitude and stuff. It just, it seems to me that right now it's a more fitting title for, for all of us in, in business and in sales particularly is who cares wins. Um, because the way things are, uh, it, we have to be more compassionate than ever. I noticed when we were uh, promoting this on some of the LinkedIn posts uh, this week and last, someone had commented when you'd asked, you know, is it okay to sell right now? Someone jumped in saying, yes, of course, it's always okay to sell. Well, yeah, it is. It is, but not the same way we've maybe always done it. Uh, I think right now it does call for you know, more than ever for all of us to be more compassionate and more thoughtful about how the people are feeling that we would like to sell to, whether it's clients past, present or future. My belief right now is uh, showing a caring attitude will win you through rather than any kind of sharp tactics, hard line, hard closing, any of that nonsense. Because there was definitely a time, wasn't there, when it, didn't feel okay to sell. I know in the first few weeks when we initially went into lockdown, we'd be calling up and people would be saying, responding to us saying, what are you doing? Are you not watching the news? Can you not see what's going on? Um, but obviously the attitude has changed since then. So how, how can we still remain effective, but also take in that compassion if, if a business is suffering at the moment? It's funny, isn't it? There's, um... So I, I know because we had this conversation, people listening won't know necessarily. Um, I just had two, two and a half years out of the country. I was working in, uh, in California where I set up another business. Um, and I just moved back to the UK back end of last year into a, a rental short term before I could get my own regular house back. And we managed to actually move back in here uh, the day before lockdown. I'm going to get the tenants to say, come on, you need, you need to move. We need to get <laughs> home. 
Um, and we got in the day before lockdown, we had three trucks and three crews do a three day move in one day, uh, which was caused a bit of mayhem. I was finding my toothbrush in the garage and my Wellington boots in the bathroom. And but it, what it did is it gave me, as soon as the lockdown was announced, we were all kind of, I think, shell-shocked. You could see the news, you saw what was happening, but we couldn't see quite where it was going. Prior to lockdown, I'd actually decamped to Mauritius. I was having a, a couple of weeks with my wife, working and having a holiday prior to a really hectic diary coming up. And I think the kind of smugometer came and slapped me in the face because I, I was there writing material for what was coming up over the, over the months as a speaker. And uh, I, I had gigs booked in Dubai, Amsterdam, Paris, London, Clacton. And, but by the time I actually landed back at Gatwick, the only one that was still going ahead was the one in Clacton, which was actually a really good client. It was a great, great fun time. But all the others cancelled. So I could see that things were moving at some pace because people were getting afraid about group gatherings. Then we had a lockdown. And for me, in, at the early stages of that, I certainly, like you're saying, I was reticent to, to sell. I didn't know, I, I'm all about helping people grow their business and scale their business. You know some of my background. I've started, built, floated, sold various businesses across two different continents. Um, so I'm all about growth. Well, where's the growth when you're having to hunker down and lock down and businesses are being closed down effectively? And, and for the first couple of weeks, I didn't know what to do. And I, I literally went into kind of hide mode and just put my head down unpacking boxes. So I was busy being productive, but not on work at all. Mm. And towards the end of the first couple of weeks, I, I noticed some of my other speaker friends out there on Facebook suddenly promoting all of their online world. They, they've now become online experts. They all had courses and they were all doing 12 weeks to this and 10 weeks to that. And, and I posted something on Facebook actually, uh, and quite rightly got slapped down for it by one of my friends, because I was saying another speaker that I know had posted something along the lines of, if people are drowning, don't teach them to swim. And worse yet, don't sell them a 12 week online course on how to swim, save them. And that's where I was coming from. I wanted to reach out and help people, but just didn't know how to. And I said, you know, what do you think we're all doing suddenly going online? And someone quite rightly said, you know what? Some of us have to survive because we've got to put food on the table. It's okay for you having sold businesses and sitting back, you know, semi-retired. And I thought, she's right. She's absolutely right. Of course people need to. And I, and I realized then there were, there were stages of either hiding, which is what I did, surviving which is what some people were trying to do immediately people were laying off staff before we got to the furloughing schemes but there were others that moved into how to thrive not just survive which funny enough i haven't got it here so you know i have somewhere my first book which i'm not flogging uh, it's out of print by the way at the moment but i have got it in ebook format if anyone wants it for free but how to thrive not just survive was a book that i wrote several years ago and, and it got me to realize you can either hide, survive, or thrive. And each one of those is entirely our choice. As business people and as salespeople, we can decide which one of those we do and which is most appropriate. So it can of, we every time though, because sorry to, sorry to inject, I'm just thinking, huh. if you're in an industry which is massively affected, let's say, 
hospitality okay do you have the choice whether you can survive or hide or or thrive thrive yeah. that seems yes you do so so another great friend of mine simon is a, a an amazing chief exec um and so so he he had a getting on for a hundred million dollar business prior to this all kicking off his challenge was uh he works by producing in-flight magazines for pretty much all the world's airlines not a great position to be in with all the airlines being grounded yet simon is way north of positive and he's had me and other people working with his sales teams around the world keeping them going keeping them fired up and and trained and helped to give them support so although his industry at the moment is in a bit of a, a a troublesome state he's still staying positive for what will be the new normal how they can make things come around it's a mindset shift it's not ringing his cash register right now but absolutely you can control how you think about it and then you can set your stall out accordingly and, and it was simon said to me which you were kind of mentioning or alluding to there you know early on people were saying we're all in the same boat you know we've, we've all got this to deal with and he said no 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 he was the first person i had heard say this by the way he was saying we're not in the same boat we're on the same shit storm but we're not in the same boat you know <laughs> some of you are some of you are in a little dinghy and you're nice and safe some have got a speedboat some of us in are a great big uh cargo liner or a, a a cruise ship it's different for all of us but it's the same storm so you then have to decide what do you, what do you do and what can you do differently in order to to get through that so the first thing is yes it's a mindset whether you hide survive or thrive but then you've got to do certain things if you want to go into into thrive mode and obvious question what are those things that that we should be doing like are there any kind of tips to those listening now of what, of what we can do to not only get in that mindset but then once we're in it what we can be doing to to be effective coming out no, of this? i haven't got a clue <laughs> no, that, that, would, that would be kind of a, a, a bit of a dead in the water one wouldn't it right there <laughs> so, so, so I do and I, so at first when, when I was doing my hide thing it's because I didn't know how I could help people then a couple of things hit me I've been a working from home veteran for more than 15 years I, I sold my last UK business back in 2005 and that was me pretty much retired then until I got into more speaking and coaching again which I love um, but with, without a doubt, people do things certain ways and, and always will. Let, let, let me explain. One of my clients just now um, that I've been working with is fantastic. In fact, this is a mutual client. That who, yep. So all of these things are linked together. This is what people need to understand. Business and in sales is all about relationships, building rapport and talking to people. Who cares wins? So. I'm doing this because I care about people in sales and people in business and I can reach out and help people if I can. So with one of my clients, and this is someone that you have recruited for, which is how I came to be suggested to you guys, to, to you and Gabby, maybe Steve could do something for you. Um, this particular company have, have had several graduates from you through the recruitment process and I've got to know and love all of these people and got to work with them. Early on, what I said to them all was, you, you need to, you can make a choice. Some of the things you need to do, you can't just keep doing what you've always done 
because the, the phrase of keep doing what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Yep. Forget it. Not anymore. The world has completely changed and we're not going back, not to how things were. We'll go back to good times and we'll see our friends and we're just saying next week we can get six of us together. <laughs> um, but, but the world has changed. Whenever there's a downturn in the economy, we need to think about things. And here's three things straight away that people can think about doing. Sell differently. Sell to someone different or sell something different. So you think about each one of those three. And all I did with, with Spencer and his company was to sow the seed early on that we're in a, in a very strange place right now. This is an incredibly values-driven business. They, they work so closely together. But we couldn't just do what they've always done because the way they would disseminate information relied very heavily on massive congresses with thousands of people attending so they could share information with the marketplace. Well, those weren't going to happen. Yeah, so what yeah. you could do is just go, we're screwed. Uh, we'll all go furloughed. We'll all wait and ride this out, see what we can do. No, they are, they've got this right attitude at the business. So they've got on and got at it. But selling differently, selling something different, or sell to someone different. So in my world, we've got to do something different because speakers won't be delivering talks at conferences. Hey, I'm used to going somewhere we've got 500 people, 1,000 people or more at a conference and I'm on stage doing my thing. Well, that's not going to happen. Not for a long time to come. And so here's something different. You know, we can do some presentations. It's not as good as being able to feel and talk to the audience, but we don't think about it being as good or bad. It's just different. Yeah, of course. So I've already spoken in different countries. I've just signed up to do one in Sri Lanka for a big group of people. But the problems are the same wherever we go. So if you can sell differently, maybe using video calls. So certainly uh, with this client, I'd suggested them for quite a long while. Why aren't you using video? Why aren't you looking someone in the eye and having a conversation? Why aren't you bringing in someone from your tech team as a trusted advisor to be on that call with people? This is a much more powerful way to deliver a conversation than just over a telephone, yeah. in my humble opinion. So That's there's a way of selling differently, but how about something different? So um, EMJ is the company they're talking about. You, you know them because you've recruited for yeah. them. Yeah, um, they, they, they just had in their eight, eight and a half year history, April was their best month ever. Let me say that again. In eight and a half years of their history, after going into lockdown, they had their best sales month ever. And they typically sold using, like you said, like conferences and having people at events. People would go to the events and they would write up about the events and disseminate that information to, to the medical world. But wow. they couldn't do that. So with Spencer's permission, I can share with you that getting on for half of their revenues in April came from products and services they didn't have when they went into lockdown. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How that's pivoting. Being ag that's being agile. That's piv pivoting is the word that gets used so often. But it, it's a pivot, but it's just a twist and a turn. It's also been by doubling down, as, as Dan and one of the other directors would say, doubling down on what they do. So if they would have a call and talk to someone, they're going to have more calls and talk to more people. But they're doing it in a different way. So one of the things that I help the team with, you don't forget, you know, I, I'm kind of the, 
well, I am retro, as one of their team pointed out to me, I am actually retro, me personally. <laughs> um, so some of this stuff I learned early days with my sales, and it's some things that maybe some of the newer graduates may not be familiar with. And so they're making phone calls in order to pitch someone their services. And of course, people are saying, we're not buying right now. It's, it's the wrong time. You know, like you said, you're not watching the news. But what we did is we gave them a structure for the phone call so they could do it differently, not do it the same old way. And, and the, the, the structure was really simple, Jack. I don't know if, you, if you've heard of this or not. Feel, felt, found. Yeah. Yep. So you're nodding and even people my age will nod. But are they using it? Because you, you've picked up on these things and you kind of get it and you forget it because it's all about practice. If you keep repeating things and practicing, practice makes perfect. Right. Yep. So the feel felt found structure is, is along the lines of, you know, when, if I'm calling you, I, you know, I know how you feel, Jack. Other yep. people feel just the same way. What they found was now you can do that in. 10 second sound bite you can do it in a two page pitch document you can do it in a, an hour's telephone call if you follow that structure i know how you feel so that people don't think they're the only ones feeling that way others felt just the same way now they're included but what they found was and that lets you show them a better way and so using that combined with some new products they they kind of created and invented to fit the time and the marketplace they've got their best month ever. That's amazing. And, and Feel Fit Found really resonates with me because it's, I think I was taught it in my second, third day at Pareto. But when I think about using it, I will still think immediately of those examples that I first learned because they were the ones that I'd practiced the most. And that's what comes to my head. And that's something that's resonated across this whole series that we've done. And everyone we've spoken to is that you do have to practice these things. It's not just going to happen by listening to someone tell you that's a good idea to do. Okay, I'll do that technique. If you're not practicing it yourself and perfecting the way in which you say it and how you feel and the tone that you use, then it's not going to be as successful for you or it won't be successful for you full stop. It, it won't be. But, but here's the other thing too is I'm never a fan of scripts ever on when people are on telephones or when they go, you've got to have some structure that you yeah. can work around. But not, so here's another three things. I'm a simpleton. I have to do everything in threes because I can remember only about three things. But what we should be doing is adding value, building trust, being nice. Add value, build trust, be nice. If you do those things using feel, felt, found, then that combination gets you in rapport with people. You know, Right, right now, people are only ready to buy when they're ready to buy, not when you're ready to sell. And so what you need to be doing is having conversations and showing that you care and, and asking them how they feel, how are they doing? And <clears throat> can I mention this one as well? Pushka. I know we're talking about sales, but one of the, the, the most touching things happened to me last week from the same company where they're driven on values, they understand, feel, felt, found, all of these different things. I, I got, last week, I got a bit antsy with a couple of people on, on LinkedIn um, in, a, in a couple of areas. But it started off with me commenting on someone's post, a, a fudge company that I've done some work with way back when. And I mentioned something about their fudge. 
in the hope somewhere that they might see that comment and send me some of their fudge. They didn't. <laughs> so on, on they LinkedIn, might hear about it now, though. Well, I'm going to put this out to a lot of people now. So on, on LinkedIn, because I, I didn't go to, to college or university, but notice on LinkedIn, a lot of people have letters after their name. Well, I haven't got any, so I thought I'd have some. So on LinkedIn, I'm Steve Clark, CDML, which, thank you for asking, Jack, just stands for, <laughs> just stands for Cadbury, Cadbury's Dairy Milk Lover, but no one's ever asked. But when they do and they know I like chocolate, I get chocolate. I mentioned about fudge and a, a, a post, a few posts after that was, I was kind of complaining a little bit about, you know, who motivates the motivator. I was having a down week and things weren't too great. And bless her, one of the, the, the girls at the same company who actually is the, their finance director noticed one, I liked fudge and two, I wasn't having a good time at that particular moment. And she took it upon herself to actually send me a handwritten note to say, I hope I'm all okay. Notice she, you said you like fudge. I made some at the weekend with the kids and, and thought I'd send you some over. And she sent me a little pack of homemade fudge just to say, I hope you're okay. Now, so nice, isn't it? It is beautiful. But Emma's not in sales. However, she is. She won't like me for saying that because she's in finance, but she's in sales. So here's the other thing that every company should be mindful of right now. I, I believe, Jack, there's three sales teams in every particular company, uh, but they don't always recognize that they have three sales teams in the company. So they are the regular, the reluctant, and the referral team. So the, the regular team are the people that, that we know, people that you would recruit and put into sales. They have a target to meet, they've got a job to do, they're picking up the phone and they're going out and visiting people. The reluctant team are people like Emma, who is the finance director, but she has a vital role to play. In finance, she can be either sales prevention by upsetting people that uh, she needs to pay, or she can be part of the sales team by, by being thoughtful and helpful, just as she did with me. Imagine I was a client of theirs, and someone had done that to me. That totally endears me for all the right reasons to a caring, sharing company, that someone did that without trying to sell me something. <clears throat> so we have a reluctant team. And I wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, how many people are putting their reluctant team to good work? There's a whole what about that. You mentioned about my book when we were talking earlier on. Uh, the, the reluctant teams explained a lot in here because uh, I've worked with lots of companies who don't think certain departments are in sales. And I get them to appreciate kind of whole company selling and how important it will be that people can really help the sales effort. So for me, someone in finance, someone that's a delivery driver, they've all got a role to play. We need to think about a strategy for them now more than ever. And then the referral team. And by referral team, I mean, if I'd called you and said, how about I do a seminar for you? That would be me pitching you. Yeah. What actually happened was Spencer, who you know and trust, likes me and trusts me, and he put us together. He was part of my referral team. Well, I, I wonder how many people are really using their referral teams right now because it's much easier to open a door when people are reluctant to buy if someone else will introduce someone and say, you know what, Jack, here's someone you should speak to. I think it might be helpful to you and your, your clients. 
rather than me pitching you. Because cold calling is a waste of time. I should say that again, some of the people on this call. Cold calling is a complete waste of time. Old school style. There's no need to cold call. Yes, you can pick up the phone to people you've not spoken to before, but it doesn't have to be a cold call. Thanks to things like LinkedIn, there's so many ways that people can find out about the person they want to talk to. But here's the strangest thing. People still don't use that technology. You know, LinkedIn is a brilliant tool for anyone in sales. Most of us know that. And yet, people that are on this call now haven't taken the trouble to go to my LinkedIn profile and check out who I am and how maybe I could help them. But if you're going to give up an hour of your time in a webinar, wouldn't it be good to not just trust Pareto Law that they're going to bring someone worthwhile? How about who is this guy? Who does he know that I might want to talk to? And I wonder if he could connect me. And I look at who's looking at my profile and I can tell you people that are coming on this call haven't been lining up trying to connect with me or ask me questions, but maybe I could help. We've just lost a couple of participants there, Steve. Thanks for offending them. I'm only joking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I'm out to please I agree. Sorry. I Bye. agree with you, but a lot of these, a lot of these are kind of, they're going to be new into their careers. So engaging your referral team may seem quite far away. Have you got any advice to, how we can create that network and, and know where first to look. Yeah, ask. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's not a dark art, Jack. You know, um, the, the, the okay, a reluctant team, one thing, referral team, where, where it doesn't have to be someone that you've necessarily sold to, but someone that would endorse you for what you do and how you do it and how you're a non-offensive salesperson, how you're a super helpful, thoughtful person. But whatever it is you want to be referred to people for, it's okay. You know, after this call, for example, I might well say to you, Jack, if that went well for you, would you mind, you know, we're connected on LinkedIn. Would you just leave, you know, a a couple of sentences as a, by way of a a recommendation uh, on my LinkedIn profile, if you wouldn't mind, because other people would love to hear from you that we had a useful conversation that helped other people. And, and if you look at my LinkedIn profile, you'll see how that stacks up. There's about 230 or 240 people that have written recommendations for me. And they haven't all done it without me saying, would you mind? Yeah, of course. So you need, this is why you need to have a strategy for it. None, anyone that knows LinkedIn knows that this, the, the recommendations that are written on there, you have to write and then post for me to accept on my profile. I can write anything I want on my own website. And of course it's going to say, Steve is a God, come to him. He's great. <laughs> but where people go and check you out is more likely LinkedIn. Yeah. What do other people say about you? That's your referral team. How, how would you ask? Like, is, is there a structure, a better way, a best way to ask anything to avoid? I'm just thinking those in the call maybe haven't done it before. They're a bit, a bit nervous to reach out and ask for someone to. Yeah, I'm to sorry. I'm, things I'm, about them. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being flippant. So yes, uh, it, it's really quite straightforward to be able to say, Jack, I wonder if you'd help me. I'm, you know, I'm, sure, you, I'm sure you can if you would. And, and as soon as I say to you, I wonder if you could help me, human nature being what it is, providing we're in rapport and you like me and I like you to whatever degree, if I say, I wonder if you'd help me, Jack, the nine times out of ten, someone will say, I'm sure, you know, if I can, I will. And yeah. then, then I might say, well, you know, it really, really helped me to work with people like you. I wonder, you know, you said that it really helped that when I spoke, this happened and that's the result you got. 
yes. Would you mind just, you know, just writing a sentence or two? Sure, I'll do that. One of the best, and this is a slight leap of faith, the best way that you can do that in the early days is to say, Jack, I know you're busy too. How about if I type you up a couple of sentences, I'll ping it over on email. If you like it, feel free just to cut and paste it to save you the trouble. But I don't want to put words into your mouth. Oh, great. Thank you very much. And I know that if you then send that by email with a little note saying thank you, very likely within five minutes, they will cut, go to your profile, paste, bing, there's your next recommendation from someone. Is that cheating? No, not at all. Is it helpful to you? Yep. But you're only going to do it if I've helped you. So we're not asking for something that's unreasonable. Yeah, nice. I like that. And I like the idea of giving someone something to say to make it easy for them and not putting words in their mouth. But, but well also, if you, if you look at my LinkedIn profile and, and look through some of the recommendations, what you'll see I've then done is I've actually cut and pasted those to my website. So anywhere that I say what I do in terms of coaching or mentoring or speaking, rather than me say that's what I do, I might have a few words about it. Then I've got a picture from someone that I've cut and pasted from LinkedIn and their quote from LinkedIn. So people can cross-reference if they want to. But it, it's a great way of creating content for your own site. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's really insightful and really useful. And also, Andy, um, I've, I've messaged you back on this, but the Steve Clark CDML um, is to search on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Cadbury Dairy Milk Lover. Um, so popular likes chocolate, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, love that. Uh, if you've got any questions, guys, please pop it in the chat or the QA. We've a chance to ask questions now. We're about halfway through. Um, it's really insightful. So, thank you so much for this, Steve. I was going to ask you a question next. Um, we were talking about it just before the call, actually, because a lot of this, what we're talking about, is um, kind of not going out of comfort zone, but salespeople which are naturally very confident and kind of go and speak with people and asking for things, and we kind of we we differ on opinion i in terms of what a natural salesperson would do and how naturally competitive do you think you can learn the inner like how to be driven and how to how to go and get things can that can that be taught um i know you can be burnt, learn to be driven i think that there's a difference between learning to be a salesperson or whether you're driven I think certain things will spur you on mm -hmm. once you understand what having some drive and motivation can deliver, both in terms of how you feel up here, how you feel in your wallet or your bank balance. <clears throat> so that, that kind of comes, I think, but you know, people often say, you know, salespeople are, are born, they're not made. Really? You know, I, I don't ever see a midwife coming up with this little, oh, look, congratulations, Mr. Smith. Look, You've got a little baby boy oh, and he's a salesman. Oh, look at him, look at him. We're not born one way or the other. We're not born positive or negative. We're not born in sales or out of sales. These are all things that we learn absolutely how we respond to things. So um, I, I said to you, I, I didn't go to college or, or university and it's not that I... Uh, I don't, I don't wish there's many things I'd done, but I do wish I went to university, mainly for Freshers' Week or Freshers' Fortnight as it became. But my, my education came through real work and real, real life, effectively.
but it was a chance meeting on a, a forecourt of a petrol station where I was working when I was 18. I, I had reached the lofty heights of petrol pump attendant, which meant that I had to stand on a forecourt of a station back in the day and pour petrol into people's cars. And there was a guy that pulled in uh, in this beautiful Cortina, big brown, shiny Cortina, old car. You'll have to Google it and have a look, Jack. <laughs> but it was a lovely car at the, in the back in its day. Uh, but when I looked into the car, the guy sitting in the driver's seat was about my age. And yet he's in the car in a smart suit. I'm outside on the forecourt pouring out petrol on a rainy night. And I, and I tapped on his window. And we got a little bit of conversation. I'm saying, if you don't mind me asking, you know, what is it you do that gets you such a lovely car and, you know, what you're doing? Because we look like we're about the right same kind of age. He said, oh, yeah, he said, uh, I'm in sales. Well, I didn't really know what that meant, but I knew that's what I wanted to be because I could have the car and the suit and the things. Because I said to him, yeah, you know, nice car. And he said, yeah, it comes with the job. I looked at my overalls and thought, yeah, so do these. This is the best I've got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I said, so and this was key. I said, so if you don't mind me asking, what qualifications do you have to have to be in sales? And he said, it's not about qualifications. And he reached down and he handed me a cassette tape out of the car. Something else people might need to Google, but a cassette tape, right? Um, and he passed me this out and said, have a listen to this. It might help you. It certainly helped me. And he drove off into the night. And what he passed me, when I got home that night, changed out of my overalls and I put this little cassette into my player. It was a, a Zig Ziglar tape. Are you familiar with Zig Ziglar? No, no, sure no, no. See, the, okay, you, you need to check out Zig Ziglar. Uh, he's the daddy of all, <laughs> people from EMG will laugh at that. He's the daddy of all. Uh, sales professionals uh american not just american but from the deep south so he's got this american role on what he's talking about and but he was talking on this cassette and saying about if you want to see a change it's down to you it's not about uh the qualifications you've got so it's great that your grads come out from university with a, a diploma a, a degree a piece of paper that says they've got it it's not about the qualification it's all about attitude. And, and we learn how our attitude is and what it should be. So it's not about the qualification, it's about your attitude. So when I heard that from Zig Ziglar, I kept thinking, okay, then I can do something about this because it's down to me to make the change that I want. It's not down to someone else. All too often, we, we want to point at someone or something that's causing the issue or the problem. And it's okay for them, but, I've got this poor me syndrome. Right now, so many people are going, well, no, we can't because of COVID. Oh, no, it won't work in our industry. Really? How about sell differently, sell to someone different, sell something different, go at it with a different attitude. And so salespeople aren't born, they're, they're, they're made and they're created because we can choose how we react and respond to things. Then it's a question of practicing certain disciplines until we get better at it and better at it until it all becomes second nature. Like I say, the scripts for me don't work, but having a structure like feel, felt, found and giving it meaning and giving it purpose, all of that really helps. Absolutely. And it's coming back to that thing we mentioned earlier in terms of practice. Um, the more you practice it, the better you're going to be at it. And it's as simple as that. Um, so we've got a few questions here. Um, so um, one from Ryan. How can we begin the conversation with current customers who we haven't spoken to for a while? Um, we're looking at who cares wins, showing that we care, but maybe 
we have hidden um, during this time? How do we reintroduce ourselves with that conversation? Okay, so three more things. Everything goes in threes, you know me now. Yeah. Um, this goes for whether you're having a telephone call or if you're meeting with people. It also, by the way, works when you're at home with your partner, with your family. It, there's three things. Be present, be a better listener, be more compassionate. So what, what do I mean by that? Be, be present. You'd have seen the same as I would have done back in the day when we used to go to restaurants. Remember those days? Yeah, just dinner, about, and, I think. dinner yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But it would always tickle me to see a couple at dinner, maybe on their first or second date, or maybe a husband and wife or partners, and they're sitting there having dinner or ordering dinner, and then one of them gets the phone and they're under the table looking at their phone. Yeah, right? yeah. Put your phones down. Yeah. Be present. One of the things I've loved with a lockdown right now, I live way out in the country in North Essex, and I've got to say, I have loved seeing families out getting their exercise, couples out walking hand in hand or walking through the lanes, actually being present in the moment, noticing the bird song, noticing the, the sunny day, whatever else is going on. But how we can start conversations is to be present and be mindful of what's going on. Um, be a better listener. You, you would have heard the old adage in sales is that salespeople like everyone else have two ears and one mouth using that proportion. Yeah. And yet so often people seem to think being in sales is about having the gift of the gap. It's about all the talk. Oh, what a load of rubbish. The best salespeople don't say very much at all. It used to delight me, you know, when someone would say to me that, God, that's such a great product. It just sells itself. Really? Yeah, You've yeah, no idea how I asked a couple of questions and listened to you so that you could tell me how much you desperately wanted it or needed it. And so, but I wouldn't say that to them. That would be wrong. But it would, I'd get that warm glow from knowing that I'd been a much better listener than they thought I would be. And then showing compassion. So Ryan, you know, the, the opening of a, of a conversation with someone is really quite simply, you know, we've all had a pretty rough time. How, how have you been? How have you been dealing with all this? And, and if, you, if you stop not to take a breath so that you can pitch them in the next breath, yeah, if you yeah. stop and listen, I've got some annoying idiot following me on LinkedIn right now trying to pitch me the same old way with how great he can make my videos for social media, but he hasn't even looked at my profile to see who I am or what I do. Far worse yet, he hasn't done what Emma in finance did and noticed that I wasn't feeling great and actually take time to say something nice. So the, the answer without, I don't know what business Ryan is in and I don't know what he's selling or who to, but it's simple. Be present, be a better listener, be more compassionate. And keep in mind, people are ready to buy when they're ready to buy, not when you're ready to sell. So what we're doing right now, a lot of what we're doing, some of this to some extent, Jack, if I'm honest, you're not, you're not paying me to come and do this, but I'm a paid speaker. Well, maybe, just maybe, someone that listens to this now or in six months or nine months thinks, oh, that guy, what was his name? The, the little fellow with the red picture behind him. We should get him in to come and talk to our sales team at the next conference. Because that happens all the time. Not to people that want Harvard University thought leadership, because that's not my bag. But if you want someone that's been there and done it from a salesperson and built sales teams and grown companies 
uh, and had a level of success with those things, then maybe I'm, I'm the right person. So it's all about opening conversations. I, I wish people would get away from, um, are you familiar with the ABC of selling? Yeah, always be closing right. Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, always be closing wrong. That, that's what it says. <laughs> And I'm sorry this, if this is Pareto Law Training, I'm sorry, but you might want to rewrite the book slightly. No, it's not. Don't no, worry, you're fine. Not anymore. It used to be ABC, always be closing. Really? Yeah, if you've got double glazing, secondhand cars, or maybe timeshare. But, but even then, not even in those areas nowadays, because of how we're all connected via social media, if you're trying to close hard, guess what? The word gets out there in the market quicker than you could ever knock another door. So ABC should be always be caring, always be compassionate, but not always be closing. I think we should change that wording. Instead of closing a sale, I think we should open a relationship. Because if, if we thought about the conversation leading to opening a relationship, I, I would always much rather look at the lifetime value of a client. And I would, I've got so many people I can point to where the, they were a client they've become a friend or they were friends, they've become a client. One, one of my speaker bookers, uh, you know, from a, a very early meeting, we, I ended up getting invited to her wedding in Macedonia. You know, that's when you know you've, got, you've gone past just a regular client and salesperson relationship. So show you care, be a better listener, be present, be more compassionate. Brilliant. And, and going on from that as well is a question that Neil's asked in terms of the success that you've had with, within your network and then using that again to then target further, kind of a, a succession of referrals. Um, how, how did you do it in emails and calls? What's the best way to kind of put that forward? Okay. So there's a, there's a brilliant app on your phone. Uh, I don't know if this will work. Let me see if I can. Uh, not very yeah. technical. Here's my phone, and there's a, there's a brilliant app that we've all got on our phones, and it's that one there. See it? <laughs> yeah, it's the phone icon for those on Spotify. Yeah, no shit, it's a phone. What, what you do is you pick up the phone, and you talk to people. You have a conversation, not, not email. So here, here's something that everyone can do that will make a massive difference to their sales, business, career, everything. If you, if you listen to this, do it after the call rather than taking time now. But after this, immediately after this, just write down the names of three people that you know you should have called by now, but for some reason you haven't done it. Three people that could buy from you, could buy again from you. Maybe you should have called to say thank you that you bought from me a while ago. How are you doing? Someone you can think of that maybe you could introduce someone to rather than you trying to flog something because I promise you the law of reciprocity is really strong. So if I know someone that would help you Jack with your uh, podcasts and things, I'll happily connect you without expecting anything back in return. But the law of reciprocity means that either you or that person might well reciprocate and think, ah, Steve is someone that these people should speak to. And so the best thing you can possibly do is if you can get into a discipline where each day you're thinking, who are the three people I'm going to call today? Someone that I can maybe sell to, someone maybe that I've sold to, and someone that I could just help who might want to sell their stuff to other people. And, and if you could think of those people and pick 
up the phone, not send an email, because emails get lost, emails go to spam, we don't know if they've really been read, even if you put a read, read receipt on it, the best thing you can do is pick up the phone. So just prior to this, uh, I was thinking about one of my good friends through, one of my clients have a, a, a strategy where they, they are always striving to be gold medal winners. That's what they want to be, winning gold medals. Great. And I thought, well, I wonder who do I know who's got a gold medal? And as you do, I look at it on my phone and, I'm, and I've got you know, half a dozen people that have won gold medals and world titles and things. I thought, well, this would be really cool because I could actually maybe get some of these gold medal winners to talk to my client and see if we can explain what's the, what's the real winning gold medal winning mindset look like rather than me tell you how about someone that's got a gold medal so i called and he's probably on this call now actually mark colburn mbe mark's yeah. got is mark's he there so, yeah, so yeah. Mark, mark's a, a lovely guy from wales he's the one um he's, but mark's got two golds and a silver he doesn't like to talk about a couple of world championship titles and world records but a lovely lovely fella and so be, before we were getting on here i called him I got voicemail. He called me back five minutes later. We've had a lovely chat and yes, he's definitely up to come and talk to my client and will do it as a small favor to me. That, that's where you, you just don't know the people that you know and who they know. That's where we should be using connections and leveraging wherever we can, influential people that can help us, positive people, not dour doom and gloom mongers, but positive like-minded people. And because what I'm what I'm thinking is if I was on the call now starting my career, it's, it's easy once you've you've had some great success and you're in a position where you've sold businesses, you've got a great network. But like we said, you, you've kind of we've touched on this in terms of referrals, in terms of asking. But but if you were to go back, let's say to 18 year old petrol pump assistant, you know, you're going to go into sales. What advice would you give to that person now? Find a way, don't find an excuse. So how would you, like, in, what right, do you so mean I'll, by that? So I'll, I'll show you, <laughs> I'll show you. Cause this, this is fun. During my move just now, are you familiar with DISC and Myers-Briggs yeah. and all the other the talent dynamics and so on? So I, I use talent dynamics a lot with people. It's about profiling. It's about psychometric profiles and things. So at 18, I wanted to be in sales and because you get a shiny car and a nice suit so i started applying for jobs as you did back then get the newspaper look at the ads apply for a job and one after the other they all came back saying sorry you don't have the right qualifications sorry you don't have the experience sorry we're just sorry and so nothing was happening now what i could have done is gone oh well obviously i was meant to be a petrol pump attendant because salesmen are made uh, sorry born not made and therefore i'm never meant to be one Yep. Instead, talking to my dad, bless him, and he, he, he decided, okay, let's take you, because you didn't do uh, very well at school, didn't come out with any qualifications. It wasn't that I was dim, I just didn't see the point in algebra and other things. And also at school, you know, right around the time when you've got hormones and exams and girls, that's <laughs> bad timing, right? Because I preferred <laughs> the girls to, to the exam room. Anyway, so dad took me off to... Uh, the Vocational Guidance Association up Harley Street in London. And this is, I'm going to show you this because this is just blow your mind. Um, 13th of October, 1977, right? Wow. When I was 18. 
and, and they've produced what was the equivalent of a vocational guidance report. Pages and pages okay. on a manual typewriter. And it says, uh, with my aptitude, um, you should be in any profession involving teaching, guidance and care of other people. Sales in particular. Funnily enough, it goes on. On another page it says, but you can go further. You can be an independent advisor with your own business, advising people on how to interpret what they want into practical terms. That's exactly what I do today. Yeah, who's done that? That is absolutely. So this was this was really Geller, was it? No, well, it feels like <laughs> yeah. that. But, but yeah. talent dynamics and all those things—that's how they work. It can it can help work out your aptitude and your profile and what you should be doing. So it wasn't oh, saying yeah. sales; it was talking about church and welfare. But we interpreted that to being caring about people and helping them. Now, the, the reason I say that is. I was getting rejection after rejection, but instead I took action and did something about it. So when I then applied for my, my first sales job, I wrote to them and said, I've been asked by Professor Henderson to contact you. He feels I'll be a good fit for your business. That wasn't a lie. Yeah. That was a door opener to get past the dreaded gatekeeper because Professor Henderson wrote that and he said I needed to be in sales. So when I turned up at my interview, everyone else has got the same O-level this and A-level that and here's what I've done. And I've produced a report that I've taken the trouble to go and pay for to have produced that says I absolutely need to be in sales. That got me the job. I didn't have it until I went and got it. So find a way, yeah, find a way, don't find an excuse. Would, would you agree, Jack? One of those is much easier to do than the other. A hundred percent. It's so easy to find an excuse anytime. Don't do it. Find a way, not an excuse. That, that brings us back to, in terms of that, that internal drive and, and um, want to be successful. Um, that it doesn't necessarily have to be a natural salesperson, but, there are things which will motivate you and will kick you on and it's, and it's lining what you want to do as opposed to where you want to be and making sure you can make those things stick. Yeah. So it's understanding your, your, mo your individual motivators and your yeah. drive. I don't want a demotivated salesperson who got, got no drive or ambition. Now, why we do stuff, you know, again, at EMJ, the company we both have in common, they're, they're the most values-driven business I've ever had the pleasure of working with. I, I sit on their Monday morning huddles with them at the moment on Zoom, with about 60 people, because it fires me up on a Monday morning yeah. to hear people on the team talking about their why. They do a little section in their meeting about why they come to work and why they do what they do. And with the full knowledge of the company, there's some people there that they are being brilliant at sales because they want to earn enough money so they've got enough free resources and money to then go off and, and run a dive school in Asia. That's what they want to do. It's not indentured servitude to be my best salesperson forever. Yeah. It, it's a transition. Great. But when you hear how value-driven they are, then we can help them achieve their goals. I only ever wanted that with my salespeople to help them see what their goals look like and help them, help them get towards it. One of the problems that I see, Jack, repeatedly is individual salespeople, companies, company owners, often they don't actually have a clear vision on what they're trying to go for or why they're trying to get there. You and I play golf. We were talking about this a little bit before the call. 
Yeah. Imagine how stupid. Not very well, but I, no, I didn't say we played it well. You've lost seventy two points a couple of games. But, but imagine, <laughs> even for those that don't play golf, imagine uh, that you rock up in this woodland and field, and there's rivers in the way, and there's bunkers and traps and things like we call them, and they say, right, you've got eighteen holes to go for go. Okay, where's the first tee? Where's the first hole? If they didn't put start place and then markers at certain areas along the course to tell you how far to go, and then a flag in the hole to say, this is the bit you're aiming for, imagine how pointless golf would be if they gave you one stick and said, go. That's not going to work. You need to have a selection of clubs in your bag, just like we do in sales, a selection of approaches and things that you can use, different tools, that you need to know what you're going for and you need to be able to measure your success along the way. But people need to have something like that in their own business and for their own daily sales routines, they've got to know why they're doing it and where they're trying to get to, or it's futile. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, it's so prevalent when you talk about it like that, because if we, if we do go at it, and let's say the lockdown had it like that, where we kind of thought, right, we need to go do activity and speak to people. If we've not got a structure and how we're going to do it and why we're going to do it, we can have down days and then it's, going to, it's not going to be as effective as we can be. It's, it's, what's, it's what gets you back on structure. So everyone, everyone that's listening yeah. this should, should write down just now in big, bold letters on the pad, WTF. <laughs> Which just stands for, Jack, where's the focus? Because if, if people don't know what the focus is, how do they know if they even go in the right direction? So every day, people have got to have a, like a sat-nav for their business. You know, you wouldn't jump in a car. If, you're, if you live down in Surrey, I've got to come and visit with you. I don't just get in the car and go, well, it's south of here. I look at Google Maps. I work out if I've got the fuel in the tank, where I'm going to get to, what stops I'm going to make along the way. Then I get different directions as I get closer. And so it's, it's really important now with the lockdown that people have their sat-nav set. Because if they're just cruising on the M1, and don't know where to get off, or when they get off, they're in a town they don't know, which is the COVID situation, they've got to listen to different directions regularly in order to get to where they're going. So having, having a focus and having a, a, a goal is really important. We use it for golf as an analogy, but there's so many different things out there that you can think of that you wouldn't succeed at if you didn't have clear definition and goals. And we're nearly finishing up now, so we've got a few minutes left. Where, talking about where's, where's the focus, if you were, let's say, a salesperson, industry non-specific, where, where would you focus? We've talked about referrals. We've talked about LinkedIn. We've talked about messaging. Um, where, where would you focus your time? Um, okay, so irrespective of industry, sector, anything else, on my own mindset. So can I, I'm, I'm going to read you something out of here. This is a fabulous book, which you may have, you may have come across, Eureka Moments. Um, so you know what I said about collecting gold medal winners? Uh, the, the, the foreword is written by Chris Akabusi. All right. And boy, boom, actually only won a silver, didn't he? Can't count him, he only got silver. Don't tell him that, he get really upset. Um, but, but in here, I'm going to read you something and we can kind of finish up on this maybe is that this was something that I found when I was 18 uh, in another book. I think it was actually in Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill originally. So some of the people listening may already know this. Um, but I read this because I had this printed up on my wall and it kept me focused through good times and bad times, but it, it helped always get me back on track. So this might help people listening too. 
says, if you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win but think you can't, you almost certainly won't. If you think you'll lose, you're lost. For out of this world we find that success begins with a fellow's will. It's all in a state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you are. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win the prize. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster person, but sooner or later, the person who wins is the one who thinks they can. So it, it's all about your, your mindset. And if you, if you think you can win, you will. If you think you're lost, you're out of the game altogether. So you've got to find a way, not find an excuse. You've got to add value, build trust and be nice. You've got to be present, be a better listener, be more compassionate. You've got to pick up the phone and call three people a day. It's not rocket science. Um, WTF, you've got to have the focus. Where's the focus? Set yourself a simple nat sat nav, but yeah. Amazing. Steve, look, we'll wrap on that because that's a, that's a great summary of all the points we've spoken about. Where, last um, thing, where can we hear more from you? Um, I've got a website, uh, Steve Clark, Clark with an E, steveclark.info. Um, that's where people can get a copy of my book. I've had people asking about that. You can get a book on there. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm cheesy trying to like, tap dance for tips and trying to flog books. But Yeah, no, of course. Prior to lockdown, I ordered 100 for a client. I was going to a, 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 a seminar thing I was doing for them, and that never happened. So I've got 100 books in here. And yeah, it'd be, be nice to see those not clogging up my office. Um, but join me on LinkedIn, Steve Clark, CDML. Join me on, the, on the, uh, my website. Join me on Facebook. Ask me questions. And, I, and I'm really happy right now, Jack. You know, if, if I can help anyone that's on the air in any way, shape or form, uh, I'll be really happy to. But the, the, the book is a good start point for people because it's got, as I say, it's not Harvard University thought leadership. It's practical tips and examples of things that I've learned from stories and anecdotes from my own personal experience, not theory, that I know can help people. Amazing. Steve, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. And, um, and everyone will see you next week. Perfect. Thanks very much. Cheers, Steve. Thank you so much. Bye.